SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Morning After on SportsGrid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the SportsGrid Network. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, helping you break things down, get the edge for the next three hours. There's a lot to get to that not only happened over the weekend, also happened overnight. The Olympics has been really tough to get a grasp on because it's just been happening at the weirdest hours due to the 12-13 hour difference with us in Tokyo. Yet, we'll help you recap it. And we've also got some soccer action in men's soccer, plus Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NFL preseason beginning this week. I am so excited that we are going to have so much NFL news ramping up as we are about a month away from the NFL season kicking off. College football begins this month, and no one more excited about the month of August than my co-host, Ben Stevens. Ben, hope you had a great weekend. It was profitable and a little relaxing, I hope. Ariel, did you say college football begins this month? In the month of August, we have college football to discuss. You're telling me that in three weeks' time, I will be watching a Big Ten football game between Nebraska and Illinois? Oh, yeah, I'm ready for the month of August. It was a great weekend. It is great to be back here on the morning after. So much to get to that happened late last night where USA soccer, some good, some bad. We have Olympics all across the board, Major League Baseball now that the trade deadline has come and passed. How does the futures market look? How are the World Series contenders now? shaping up with maybe some new additions and acquisitions it's training camp around football there is so much to discuss texas and oklahoma are in the sec i mean there's so much to get to ariel it's going to be a wonderful monday wonderful monday to kick off the month of august yet for the women's soccer team for team usa not a good start to August because they can only compete now for the bronze medal. Early this morning, the women's soccer team loses to Canada 1-0. It stays under the total of 2.5 minus 108, yet the women's team was minus 160 on the money line to win. Canada was the underdog in this one at plus 420. The draw was plus 290. USA, again, they can only compete for a bronze now. It's the second time that the women's team has not been able to compete for gold, second in a row. Rio, 2016, they lost to Sweden in the quarterfinals. Ben, it was a big shock for America to wake up to this morning, seeing the team that was supposed to win gold, the team that was favored to win gold for women's soccer, they now can't compete for it anymore. And for the first time in 20 years, we lose to our neighbors from the Great White North. Our friendly neighbors up in Canada knock off the United States women's national team in soccer for the first time in 36 tries. They were on a 36-game winless streak against the United States women's national team. And so a tough loss for Team USA, who is trying to take that World Cup momentum from two summers ago and parlay it into Olympic gold medal. Obviously, they had their struggles in Tokyo, losing their opening match to Sweden. Another draw in pool play, having to go to extra time in the quarters against the Dutch. 
and then to struggle against Canada. A penalty for the Canadians is what the deciding goal was. They will play for a bronze. They will probably be favored in that game as well. They came in as a minus money favorite to the Olympic tournament as it stood. But after that loss to Sweden, they were still the favorite, but in plus money category, favored in each of their matches, however. So a tough draw, not so much a draw, a tough loss for the United States women's national team in Tokyo for those Olympic Games. That match will be Thursday. As for Canada for gold, they play either Australia or Sweden on Friday morning. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. First hour here on the morning after, Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Switching from women's to men's soccer, this is not part of the Olympics. However, with the CONCACAF Championship and the U.S. men's team with the upset, they end up getting the win 1-0. U.S. was plus 144 to lift the cup. Mexico was minus 172, and the U.S. prevails. Ben, I've got to give a shout-out, though. First off, this was a really exciting match. The draw was plus 200, and the men's team ends up getting the win in extra time. It was the U.S. Miles Robinson who gets the header off a Kellen Acosta free kick in the 117th minute. You know where he went to school, Mr. Robinson? Syracuse University, former Let's go, Orange. Let's go, go Orange. Woo! I love it. Pumps I loved every part of it. Every part of it. Miles Robinson on a beautifully paced free kick in the 117th minute curling into the box danger category and for the second time this summer ariel team usa men's soccer takes down el tree mexico in a final the Concacaf nations league final a couple of months ago goes to the victors team usa then in the Concacaf gold cup with our b squad we knock off mexico as the heavy heavy underdogs i have no idea what the odds will be for the men's world cup coming up next december i believe it is in qatar or Qatar, however you pronounce that country but i think team usa needs to be the minus money favorite on the FanDuel sportsbook the boys are absolutely buzzing this summer the lads are incredible two straight tournament championship final victories over mexico team usa is feeling hot the future for team usa men's soccer ariel is very very bright seventh U.S. Gold Cup title. Ben alluded to it before. Many of the U.S. top players were not participating. It was the National League's tournament, and they were not part of the Gold Cup because of it, and they could prepare now for the European seasons that are approaching. So a lot of the U.S. team, even though this could have been less than a minus 172 for Mexico, it was that because a lot of the U.S. team was not there. That's why you see USA as such a dog. One more note. Simone Biles is supposed to compete coming up this week. She's going to compete um, in for the on the balance beam. It's where she won bronze in Rio in 2016. She's a three-time world champion in the event. And even though she withdrew from three event finals and the all-around competition, it looks like we may get Simone in one event. Coming up next, we're going to recap Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. They say in the NBA, dunks is what gets the highlights going. For Major League Baseball, it's the home run ball. And yesterday, there was a way, or not even yesterday, over the weekend, there was a way that not only the home run ball made storylines, it was the fact that three former Cubs players all hit home runs on their new teams. The Cubs... They, they were probably the most the team that got affected most by the trade deadline. They lost a ton of stars, and a lot of other teams benefited from it this past weekend. ESPN Stats and Info tweeted this out, that Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez all homered in their team debuts after recent trades with the Cubs. Rizzo on July 30th with the Yankees, Baez on July 31st with the Mets, and Bryant on August 1st with the Giants. The Giants' newest addition, Chris Bryant, spoke out about the hot streak for him and his former Cubs teammates that were also traded at the deadline. Did you get any text from uh, Javi or Anthony? Is everything okay now? I don't know. My phone is vibrating nonstop in my pocket right now. Um, you know, but um, they're busy doing their thing, too, with their new teams. And, you know, I, I'm proud to have played with them and shared uh, a lot of special moments with them. And it's been really cool to see them hit homers in their first games and you know for me me to join them too um it, it feels it feels really special for all of us ben this was the flukiest weirdest thing to happen over the weekend how do you like that the chicago cubs the biggest sellers at the deadline trading away the staple pieces of the team that won the World Series and snapped the streak of the Billy Goat. Well, every one of them that was traded at the deadline going to their new team and making an immediate impact right away. Anthony Rizzo with the Yankees, Javier Baez with the Mets, and then Chris Bryant finally yesterday in his debut for the San Francisco Giants. And Ariel, that home run for Chris Bryant yesterday was one of seven home runs that the Giants hit against the Houston Astros in the last two days on Saturday and Sunday. The Giants now, as a team, have 158 home runs this year. That is second most in Major League Baseball, only trailing the Toronto Blue Jays, who have 159. And those San Francisco Giants, now with their lucrative new piece in Chris Bryant, still have the best record in all of baseball at 66-39. and 39. And Ariel, I think one thing that is so interesting about the San Francisco Giants is their overall record straight up of 66 and 39 is the same exact record the Giants have on the run line at 66 and 39 this year. So not only are they winning games straight up, they are also covering the run line at the highest clip of teams to do so in Major League Baseball. So the Giants right now are rolling. Their odds becoming shorter in the NL West. They still hold a three-game lead over the Dodgers, and they are still plus 145 to win that division. They were plus 210 entering Saturday after the trades that were made at the deadline, both Chris Bryant going to SF and the Dodgers, of course, acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. So the Giants' odds becoming shorter by the day. Still a great time to jump in, though. Plus money on a team with about 55 games left in this Major League Baseball season that holds a three-game lead. Pretty phenomenal stuff out of the Giants and Chris Bryant this weekend. Giants having the best run line record in baseball is something to keep an eye on, especially if they're booked as a home dog against teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers. Going into the American League, because the American League also saw a flip in the odds, the Tampa Bay Rays sweep the Boston Red Sox, winning 3-2 to two yesterday. The Red Sox were actually underdogs in the series. It wasn't Tampa. Tampa was minus 164. Boston went 0-6 with runners in scoring position, leaving 10 runners on base. The odds have now flipped in the American League East. The Rays are in first place. 
and they have the best odds to win the division. The Rays flipped to minus 120. The Red Sox are at plus 135. Then just a week ago, before this series even happened, the Red Sox were the favorites around minus 110, and the Rays were underdogs around plus 120, plus 140. Now you're seeing the roles reversed, and the Rays are in minus money. Yeah, I mean, after the trade to get Kyle Schwarber to Beantown, the Red Sox were minus 125 entering that game to, or start off this series, I should say, on Friday. So for the Rays to sweep, to take a one-and-a-half game lead in that division, that is really phenomenal stuff out of Tampa this weekend, performing very well at the Trop. They also, Ariel, have eight sweeps of a three-game set or more so far throughout this Major League Baseball season. That is tied for the most across all of Major League Baseball along with the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Rays are performing at a very high clip right now and continue to be a team that I think slightly overlooked when you look at how they are continuing to perform. The AL pennant winners last year, now the minus money favorites to win the AL East. But this is what the Tampa Bay Rays do. They don't have some of the most marquee names you will see, especially even within their own division. And they are not the most public team. You have the Red Sox, and of course you have the Yankees. But the Rays continue to have this level of success. So I think the winner of this American League East division will come through Tampa or Boston. It will be those two. As you look at the Yankees, who are also playing pretty well, winners of three straight games, they are plus 1,000, 10 to 1 to win the American League East. That's not where the value is on the Bronx Bombers, in my opinion. The value on the Yankees is in the American League pennant race, where they are 12 to 1 plus 1,200 because the Yankees, seven games back of the lead in the American League East, they're actually climbing up the rankings in the standings a little bit there, but just two and a half games back of that second and final wild card spot in the American League. So if you're looking for value on the Yankees, I think it's to win the AL pennant. The Rays no longer have that value as the minus money odds on favorite to win the AL East. Here's where I also see value in the American League because the Boston Red Sox still have better odds to win the American League than the Rays do. The Red Sox are 5-1, to one, and the Rays are at plus 550. There's your value because that's a discrepancy in the marketplace. You're telling me that the Tampa Bay Rays win the division, that they get home field advantage to a certain degree, and the Boston Red Sox still have better odds? That just seems weird, and it seems off. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if those odds shift in the next week. You're going to see the Rays jump the Red Sox at some point this week in the American League uh, in the American League race. I don't understand why the Red Sox still have shorter odds. They're not the better team. The Rays are. Also, uh, the Athletics, they're trying to gain ground in their division in the American League West. The Athletics beat the Angels yesterday 8-3. to Another huge debut for two players who came over in the trade deadline. Starling Marte, who came over from the Marlins, ends up being a three-hit, three-stolen base game. It was the first time that someone did that for Oakland since Coco Chris back in 2011. Oakland also acquired a catcher at the deadline, Jan Gomes, who came over from Washington. He homered in the game, and Oakland ends up getting the win at minus 102, even plus 100 in other places, minus 102 on FanDuel for Oakland to beat the Angels 8-3. to Ariel, when Craig Mish came on this show and was discussing where Starling Marte might go at the trade deadline two weeks ago, he mentioned teams like the Oakland Athletics that could use a piece there in their center field. And to have Starling Marte come in and make this immediate of an impact, and Craig Mish told us last week on Thursday after the news was broken by Craig that Starling Marte was going up to the Bay and going to play for the A's, that if Starling Marte gets on base, he's probably going to get to second because he can steal bases at an outrageous clip. 22 of 25 successful stolen bases 
entering his time now with the A's, and then three in one game yesterday in immediate impact. Look out for those athletics as well. They hold that second and final wild card spot right now in the American League, a two-and-a-half game lead on the Yankees, and they are plus 1,400 to win the AL. They are 10-to-1, plus 10,000 to win the AL West. They trail the Houston Astros, who are in the top spot by four-and-a-half games. The Astros... The heavy, heavy minus money odds on favorite at minus 2,000 to win that American League West division. But Oakland's Bay neighbors, the San Francisco Giants, at least for right now, helping the A's in that respect, taking two or three from Houston so far, or over the weekend, I should say. So the Oakland Athletics trying to be a part of that American League playoff picture. If Starling Marte continues to perform like he did over the weekend and he gets on base and then steals a couple more, Oakland could be a team to mess with in the American League playoff picture. Yeah, Oakland just scares me. When Oakland goes into the playoffs, they're just a whole nother team, and they're another team for the worst. They're a great regular season team. And then the playoffs come along, and the Oakland Athletics become, what, bad news bears? It's just so frustrating to watch this Oakland team, and now you're going to say that they have to go in a winner-take-all wild-card game. I, I can't bet on the Oakland Athletics to win a winner-take-all wild-card game. That's been their Achilles heel for the last few years. It's a tough spot. Houston, minus 2,000. We're going to talk more about the World Series and how those odds have shifted since the beginning of the year. The Houston Astros had the biggest shift of anybody I've ever seen in the marketplace. Stay here on the grid. We're going to talk NFL coming up next. More training camp talk. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 2. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. The storyline of Carson Wentz's career has been, can the quarterback stay healthy? He has only mm. played two healthy seasons, two full healthy seasons in his five-year career. Wentz hasn't even been on a practice field for more than a week. And all of a sudden, I mean, remember, he's traded from Philly to the Colts in the offseason. But all of a sudden, he's practicing as a Colt. And it was Thursday. Wentz ends up feeling some kind of pinge in his foot. Here's the update. They gave it from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. He said that the plan is to try to rest the quarterback and rehab his foot injury over the next few days rather than have immediate surgery. If all goes well, week one's in play. If it doesn't improve, the answer may be surgery. Yet the Colts keep saying as a team they do not feel that this injury is season-ending. 2017, Wentz ends up tearing his ACL and... Ben, just injuries continue to be the story here for the poor Colts, who now were the favorites to win the division. It's now flipped to the Titans being the new favorites. And that's the thing, right? When you look at the odds right now on the Indianapolis Colts, they were plus 110 as the favorites to win the AFC South, just five cents ahead of where the Tennessee Titans were, plus 115. Now the Colts are plus 145, which has shifted the Titans into minus money odds on favorite category at minus 110. We'll have Pro football doc Dr. David Chow coming up in the next hour to discuss this among a litany of injuries across training camp and Major League Baseball as well. But probably the primary focus for a lot of people across the sports landscape is on Carson Wentz and that foot. 
Dr. David Chow believes that surgery is probably on the table here still. But that being said, I don't think you can feel too optimistic right now if you're backing Indy of Carson Wentz availability early on in this NFL regular season. Week one, week two, that kind of seems very up in the air. Hopefully he is back at some point earlier than later. But that being said, this is not what they were hoping for, for their new prized quarterback that they brought in to be back under Frank Reich for a resurgence of this Colts team. Now you have a guy like Jacob Eason. They have made some free agency acquisitions. Who exactly knows what the future for the Colts at the quarterback position is in this moment? And you even saw it affect the team win total of the Indianapolis Colts, Ariel, because it's still at nine and a half. That has been the same exact number, but the juice was heavy to the over before the injury to Carson Wentz's foot. It was minus 150 to the over of that nine and a half. Now it's plus money category at plus 110. So, so many different ways this affects the Indianapolis Colts, including in the betting markets. The best place to have looked was in the week one odds. The Colts were laying two points at home against the Seattle Seahawks. That line is now flipped to the Colts at plus one and a half on the spread. The Seattle Seahawks now the favorites on the road in Indy. One more piece of news. There's really two more storylines, but real quick, the Vikings have a bunch of quarterbacks on the COVID list, including their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The Vikings are plus 260 to win the NFC North. The Packers are at minus 155. Cousins a big piece to that. He has to enter COVID protocol. He is not the one that tested positive. It was Kellen Mond, who's the rookie quarterback. All the quarterbacks had to quarantine. Now it's a five-day period that you have to quarantine, then you get retested. So Cousins could be back next week as long as he tests negative, Ben. Yeah, Mike Zimmer, the head coach of Minnesota, was not happy with this situation, even in some press conferences over the weekend calling out Captain Kirk and Kellen Mond and highlighting Jake Browning, another backup quarterback who he said is vaccinated and because he is vaccinated has an upper hand on being the backup quarterback in Minnesota. So the head coach there, not happy. The Vikings team win total of eight and a half has a juice to the over at minus 160. That is tied for the most juice across the entire board when it comes to team win totals on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Raiders also minus 160 to the over of their team win total at six and a half. And lastly, one more storyline. The Saints end up signing the running back, Devontae Freeman, former Atlanta Falcons running back. A lot of experience within the division. Also has the most rushing yards against uh, New Orleans in the last decade. Actually, most yards from scrimmage over the last decade. 691 rushing yards, 319 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns against New Orleans. So they say keep your friends close, enemies closer. I guess they kept (laughs) Freeman real close. And he also was teammates with the quarterback, Jameis Winston, at Florida State. We're going to welcome in our MSG audience in about 15 seconds. Welcome to our MSG audience here on the first hour of the morning after on Sports Grid. You're also listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 and the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We were just in the middle of discussing the different training camp situations and the news that's come out. And out of the Giants this morning, there's some breaking news. They added running back depth, and they're going to add the veteran running back, Alfred Morris, to the roster. Now, with the injuries to Saquon Barkley last year, the torn ACL didn't play more than two games in the season. Barkley is going to need some depth back there. Ben, when you see that they're adding a veteran running back in Alfred Morris, it's not something to be scared about if you're a Giants fan. If anything, it's just covering their butts. 
It's also good for this time in training camp to bring in a guy that knows how to play at the NFL level, has experience in the NFC East, can kind of bring up maybe some of the younger running backs and just provide that veteran experience right now because in training camp with Saquon currently on the pup list, he's not going to be out there able to perform. You need that depth. You need to make sure you're running your offense and getting that experience and getting those reps with the ones Alfred Morris can at least fill in because he has that experience. So it just keeps things flowing here in training camp for Joe Judge and company there with the New York Giants. Is Alfred Morris going to do anything to affect any betting markets by any means? No. And I don't really expect him to be a huge contributor by the time we get to the NFL regular season. But Joe Judge has reiterated time and again that they are going to be cautious with Saquon Barkley. They are hopeful he will be ready to go for week number one as he returns from that torn ACL. But they're not going to push him back. They are going to be on his timeline. And so to have another veteran guy in there in Alfred Morris, I think really helps things out throughout this training camp process for sure. Similar to what the Giants did last year when Barkley went down, they go out and they got Devontae Freeman, who, as we mentioned in the last segment, is now with the New Orleans Saints. Just adding the depth is a good thing. The running game was a really big struggle for the Giants last year. Daniel Jones, at least three or four games, led the rush attack, which is bad. Your quarterback should not be leading the team in rushing, unless maybe your name's Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. However, those two quarterbacks are mobile. Daniel Jones isn't a mobile quarterback. He needs receivers. And that's what the Giants did for him in the offseason. They end up bringing in a number one wide receiver from the Detroit Lions in Kenny Galladay. A friend of the show here, Madeline Burke, she's the team reporter for the Giants. She tweeted this out. She says, Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones have been getting some work in after practice throughout Giants camp. KG says it's nothing new for him. Whatever routes, etc., they don't hit in practice, they work on after. Ben, this is the stuff that I love to hear about at training camp. This is what training camp's about. You have to hear from the players. Hear what else they're doing off the field, things that we don't get to see. This is what you love to see if you're a Giants fan, that a young quarterback in his second full season as a starter is going with his new number one wide receiver off the field, out of training camp, and taking the extra time to go and work together and perfect these routes. They need that connection. It's all about having that connection and the relatability between your quarterback and your number one wide receiver option. And Kenny Galladay is going to be a huge component of that Giants offense as they look to take a huge step finishing bottom two in scoring offense last year in the NFL. So for Daniel Jones in his third season, now having that ability to be there with Kenny Galladay is going to be huge. So I think that is lovely things to see. And those are the headlines as a Giants fan or a Giants backer you are hoping for. The Giants are a very intriguing team, Ariel, as we noted in the betting markets right now when you look at team win totals, when you look at the divisional odds in the NFC East. Their team win total in the regular market is at seven. The over has the juice at minus 130. I feel like the juice has actually worked a little bit more to the favor of the over. If you look at their alternate team win totals on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the 8.5 number is intriguing to me, and you can get the Giants to go over 8.5 at plus 185. The reason I say that's intriguing to me is because I believe there is value on the New York football giants in the NFC East divisional odds market at plus 440 in a division that is down bad and where there is opportunities to take that leap in this division. If the Giants are going to go over eight and a half and win nine games, they are going to be in a good position at least late into the season to have a contention and have a bid to win the NFC East outright. So I think that plus money number, plus 185, coupled with the plus 440, those are pretty good plus money prices on the New York Giants right now. And a big component of that will be Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, by the way, his receiver prop 
on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now for the 2021 NFL regular season is 1,025 and a half. So if you like these rumors and you like these headlines coming out of Giants camp that Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay are perfecting that combination, well, then maybe you look to the over of that 1025 and a half for Kenny Galladay's receiving yards prop for this year. I am glad we're on the same page. The Giants are my dark horse to win the NFC East at plus 440. On the flip side, the other team here in the Meadowlands, it's the New York Jets. And the Jets are 21-1 to to win uh, the division. And they just signed their quarterback, their rookie quarterback, finally getting his deal. I loved it. I labeled it Wilson. Anyway, uh, if you didn't, if you've never seen the movie Castaway, it's a great one. The Jets first round pick Zach Wilson is signing his fully guaranteed four-year contract projected to be worth $35 million, including a signing bonus of approximately $22.9 million. A round of applause to the New York Jets. This is probably the biggest win you're going to have all year because you finally signed your quarterback. Ben, it took way too long, but there's nothing in the futures market that I'm willing to bet the Jets on, except maybe Wilson's under in passing yards. The last rookie to be signed out of the first round draft picks from this past draft. It is the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson. You lead me into my question. Him now being into camp, the under of his 38.50 and a half was your pick last week. Feel any differently about it now that Zach Wilson has reported? No, I don't feel any different about it. He's the same quarterback. The same stats apply. Sam Darnold never went over this number in his three-year career at the Jets. Wilson never went over that number in his college career. Now he's going to go up against better defenses? No, thank you. Not betting any overs. This was one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL last year. No wide receiver had over 800 receiving yards. I'll leave it alone. Coming up next, John Sheeran, Director of Training at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Stay right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, Director of Trading from the Vandal Sportsbook, John Sheeran. John, on Friday we had the Major League Baseball trade deadline, and it always intrigues me to see how these lines move so much in favor or against certain teams. When it comes to moving lines in favor of certain teams because of certain players they may have acquired, how do you know how much to really move those lines for one or two players? Um, yeah, I think it's just based on our ratings effectively in terms of the additional um, strength that those players give them over the players that would have played in their place. So a pretty easy one for the guys to assess in terms of like what the value add is uh, based on some of those moves on trade deadline day. So yeah, it's like I said, just comes down to the ratings. John, now that the trade deadline dust has settled and those future odds have been adjusted, whether it was for a pennant, a division, or even the World Series, how much action did you take in the futures market this weekend after the MLB trade deadline? Uh, not a ton, I would say. I mean, uh, the obvious ones, the ones that did well, the narratives like the Dodgers, obviously, uh, even though they're a pretty good result for us in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, some, I think, local bias money, hoping the two 
uh, signings of the Yankees made will make a big difference. Like I said er earlier this week, I'm not sure it kind of gives them a different look. It's kind of more of the same. Um, so, yeah, I think they're the kind of two obvious ones that I think um, drove some narrative that led people to actually go out and bet off the back of the, the trade deadlines. Another narrative that, now switching over to the NFL, has taken front stage is Carson Wentz. He gets hurt the first Thursday of training camp, hurts his foot, now out for an unforeseeable amount of time, no updates yet. It affected the odds because you guys booked the Colts as the team that had the shortest odds to win the division, and now it flipped over to the Titans. At what point do you sit here and say, hey, we have to really reevaluate the Colts because they may not have a starting quarterback that is reliable? Uh, well, I guess when we get more certainty about his, his situation, his availability, and, you know, an indefinite amount of time really doesn't tell us a lot. I mean, there's some viewpoints out there that maybe the injury is not as serious. Uh, and I think that's why we've been relatively slow to, to move towards. Um, Tennessee um, but at the same time you know we're guessing as much as everybody else is we don't know what the story is with how bad Carson Wentz's foot is and you know when we get and hear more certainty around what that looks like and what the timeline might be for when he can get on the field then I think you'll start to see a more solid opinion form in the market generally. John, what does that process look like for you guys at the FanDuel Sportsbook in terms of following the headlines coming out of NFL training camp? You have 32 different NFL teams. Everybody's dealing with some injury bugs around this time. So how much are you following the headlines, and then how does that correlate to the betting markets and the lines that might move? Yeah, I think we get good coverage from you know the main NFL insider, insiders when it comes to the kind of key skill position players. And realistically, when it comes down to ratings and lines, they're the only ones that really matter. Um, so we pay a lot of attention to those insiders and when they release information, we know that historically it's been super accurate and then we kind of react to those ones, the minor ones and the little snippets that people can get out of training camp videos or social media. Uh, we don't tend to focus on them because like I said, primarily we're the, the main insiders are looking after the key players and they're the ones that we really care about. Director of Trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, joining us. John, preseason football. How on earth do you book these lines? I have no idea. We just had a chat about the Thursday night game here in the office already this morning, trying to come up with a line between two of us, and it's uh, it's not pretty, I can tell you that much. Uh, look, it's very, it's very difficult. We have no idea who's going to play quarterback for these teams. Obviously, we don't expect... Any of the starters are probably even the backups to appear for much of the game, if any of it. So um, it's a lot of guess, guesswork for sure. Obviously, you can see the total in the Dallas-Pittsburgh game is quite low. I think we just moved it to 32 and a half from 33. And, you know, it doesn't look like A, the lines will be pretty, but B, the football itself on Thursday night may not be that pretty either. That's a certainty, I think, as well, John. But because it is the first NFL preseason game, because it is the only game this week in the National Football League, how much action do you anticipate on this game between the Steelers and the Cowboys in the next coming days? Yeah, I think we'll see, see a, a decent interest in it. Everyone's been waiting for football for months and months, and I'm excited to have it back myself. Um, interest so far has been you know, pretty low. Um, most of the money that we've seen on the money line so far has been for Dallas, but like I said, this, the best strategy in preseason 
uh, or definitely not the worst strategy might be to bet all the dogs on the money line given the uncertainty around who will be on the field so it doesn't surprise me that the majority of the money so far which has been a pretty small amount has been for the Cowboys as, as the underdog on the money line. It is surprising because I'm looking through most of these preseason lines. Most of them are anywhere between the one to two or three range. Usually in football, we'll get a bunch of games covering a spread by a touchdown or um, more than that. And you're only really seeing these really short spreads. Why are you keeping it so short? Look, I think when when you're talking about regular season game, you've got a bigger delta between key players on both sides and I think when you get down to the third and fourth string position players and you know the rest of the squads getting some uh, time on the field particularly in you know um, a Hall of Fame game uh, then I just think the gap between those teams is is not very big I think you know there's a lot of uncertainty like I alluded to already and the truth is we can't put an accurate number on these games because we don't know who's going to play and without that I think you know the right strategy like I said or maybe not the worst strategy is betting the dogs and therefore by definition I think you're going to have a lot of tight handicaps and spreads and I think for for once you'll see the vast majority of money on the on the money line rather than on the spreads. John the Cowboys at plus 110 for the Hall of Fame game seems like a pretty public team who are some of the biggest public teams you see throughout the course of a regular NFL season? I mean it generally tends to trend from good teams to bad effectively in that order so the best teams in the league take the vast majority of the public money all the way down to the worst teams it's not that you know maybe with just a bias i would add to to the local teams and we definitely have a predominantly east coast footprint and for that reason teams like the giants over index the new york jets definitely over index but even teams like the eagles uh, as well probably over index in relative um interest but yeah i mean tampa bay will be strong uh kansas city will obviously be strong so you see that general trend from good to bad john i've heard from some sharp betters that a lot of the a lot of betters have gotten bit by the nfc north because when it was all about aaron Rodgers and potentially retiring people started attacking that minnesota number with plus money for winning the nfc north in fact you guys moved the number so drastically in the direction of minnesota at one point that they had better odds or close to the same odds as the green bay packers now the packers back to minus 155 because aaron Rodgers is going to play how well did the books do with the result of the aaron Rodgers saga uh, look, I think it's probably overblown. I think, you know, like you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I think the vast majority of people betting the division or betting the Packers uh, were waiting to see what happened with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I think this idea that everybody was piling into the Vikings at plus 260 or plus 300 to win the division, is it's not really accurate. I think, yeah, you might have had some sharp betters tackle it at big plus money with a chance that he was going to go. Uh, but in general, that's a small amount of money. Um, you're locking up your money for you know five months as well. Remember, so you know I think we probably saw some interest in the Vikings, but definitely not enough for us to be celebrating a win at this stage. John, you mentioned the most public teams in the NFL are the best teams. Right now, the two shortest odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Super Bowl this upcoming year are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that where the majority of the action is in that futures market at the current moment? Um, I I mean, the relative odds will kind of keep uh, some of the liability down for us. So what we tend to see is, you know, 
liability accruing from some of the bigger price teams like the Bears and Washington, for example. I think they're two of our worst results so far. Um, but yeah, as we get closer to the season, as we start to see you know, what these teams look like, then we'll definitely see a lot of public money for those two teams in particular. Tampa Bay are about the fourth worst result that we have and definitely taking the most handle on them of anybody. Uh, but that's just the Tom Brady effect. That's always been the way it is and for good reason with all of the rings that he has. So expect that to continue through the season and I think we'll see decent money for both of those teams you mentioned. The Tom Brady effect in full force. I want to take us back to Major League Baseball because there's the Garrett Cole effect, there's the Jacob deGrom effect, yet both those pitchers no longer at the top of the list for the Cy Young in the American League or National League. With deGrom on the IL and Cole just getting smashed in his last outing, how much do you expect neither of those pitchers to win the award? Um, yeah, I mean, both of them have had issues like you allude to. Um, right now, uh, Garrett Cole is still the second favourite. I think he's had definitely not as good a season as we might have expected, but he's still a pretty good uh, pitcher, and I still expect to see him come back strong. He's obviously been through this before. Uh, he is the second worst result that we have in the American League Cy Young Award, so I won't be disappointed if he doesn't. But <laughs> as a Yankees fan, I fully expect Garrett Cole to be back on track soon. And uh, yeah, he might even represent some value if he can finish the season off strong. So, yes, John, we have a preseason game in the NFL this week. But in this month, college football regular season games get underway. What is the handle and what is the action looking like right now around the college football betting landscape? Um, yeah, super excited to get college back. I think most of the interest so far probably centered around Alabama to win the championship. And then I think a lot of the you know over-unders for the, the win totals has been really popular in the last couple of weeks as we started to get you know closer to the start of week zero and, and, and the broader football season from there. So, uh, yeah, super interest so far. Excited to see what it looks like this year and get a full season under our belt. And, uh, yes, excited to see fans back as well. I think most people will, you know, it'll feel and look and feel more like college football than last year. I'm not sure how much you've looked into this conference, so you can tell me you haven't, but the Pac-12 has had the most movement of any conference in these odds. We were looking at it for our Market Mover segment, showing how the odds have shifted dramatically in favor of certain teams like Utah from a few months ago to now, and the season hasn't even started yet. What is it about the Pac-12 that you're just seeing so much vulnerability amongst all these teams? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, that's probably the only conference we've looked at in depth in terms of having an opinion. Um, yeah, we really like um, we really like Utah, which is why you've seen us compress the odds a lot. I think we're six to one. There's as big as twelve to one out there in the market, and you know, I think Charlie Brewer is obviously key to that and keeping him healthy. We know he's had concussion issues at Oregon previously, um, but I just didn't see and we didn't see the gap between uh, the likes of USC and. And, and Oregon to Utah being re uh, reflected in, in the level of ability that we expect. So Utah are definitely a team that we're looking to keep on, on our side and significantly shorter than the market. So, uh, yeah, I don't, think there's, um, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with betting them to win the conference at around 12 to 1. Oh, I see. I didn't know. I didn't know if that was going to be a total shot in the dark asking you about that conference. So, John, we're ending mm. it on a high note. That was really impressive. We're all taking Utah. John Sheeran, Director of Trading at the Fandle Sportsbook. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later this week. Thank you, guys.
Coming up next, it's our Fade the Public poll, something we love to do here on the show. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time right here on the Sports Grid Network. We'll be back after this short commercial break with our poll. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. out the first hour here on the morning after on sports grid you're listening on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein let's get to our poll it's time for fade the public the poll today is about rookie quarterbacks which of these two rookie quarterbacks is going to start first the first one, Justin Fields, and the second one, Trey Lance. The public has spoken, and oh my goodness, just under 77% of the public says it's going to be Justin Fields replacing Andy Dalton in Chicago. Ben, are you fading the public? The public is on the nose here. I love to fade the public. I don't love to start off a Monday agreeing with the public, but the public is spot on right now. If it's not week number one, it will come within the first four weeks of the NFL regular season for the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback. I have been incredibly high on Justin Fields. I am a Big Ten guy. I have seen Justin Fields at his absolute best for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He will have a certain level of success in the NFL. So here's where I think you find a profit margin on Chicago when Justin Fields becomes the starting quarterback. It's not a question of if, in my mind, it is a question of when, and I think it will be very early on. Chicago's team win total is at 7.5. It is plus money to the over at plus 105. If Justin Fields is in command of that Chicago Bears offense by week number four, mark my words right now, the Chicago Bears will go over that team win total of 7.5. Here's the problem. First off, you've got to bet that before the season starts, so you've got to handicap the unknown before the season. Also, even Mm. though I do believe that Justin Fields has a better shot at replacing the starting quarterback, if healthy, if Trey Lance is on a team with Jimmy Garoppolo, who has not played more than one healthy season in San Francisco, what are the odds that Jimmy G stays healthy through the first three weeks of the season? Injuries is the caveat here. That's why I ended up putting these two quarterbacks next to each other. If Justin Fields replaces Andy Dalton, it's all because Dalton's so bad. If if you've got um, Jimmy Garoppolo getting replaced, most likely if it's within the first three weeks of the year, Jimmy G might have gotten hurt. We're going to go to hour number two of the morning after. Coming up next, you're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204. Our Sports Grid News Update is coming up next. 